0: As the teen tycoon of rock, I'd like to
1: hear them, and I'm sure you would too. Leave him alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck, Time.
2: My name's Crazy, honey. What's yours? <laughs> Bernice. What's the boogeyman?
0: Will you marry me? Did he leave you any money? Answer the second question first. movies podcast my name is anthony king this show is all about the author and critic and historian danny perry and his cult movies books we're going to discuss a movie from book number one and then uh, offer up some pairing recommendations and joining me once again returning the dynamic red duo a lot of red happening right even my like my wave files recording in red i'm just surrounded by red uh it's heather drain
1: hello heather welcome back well hello hello it is so good to be back the uh you know i think you have picked the two most appropriate and filthiest (laughs) guest co-hosts for this episode
2: (laughs) 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 and rachel McPad and rachel hello welcome back hi anthony and heather thank you so much for having me along
0: okay so uh we're gonna jump right into this because I have a lot to to read. Uh, because I just thought it was, I don't know, I just, I loved what these people had to say about this movie. So, first and foremost, Heather, why don't you tell everybody what we're talking about this week?
1: Well, wow. uh, lovely and kind listeners um, and brave. And we love the brave. Art is not for fools or for weaklings. It is for the true brave of heart because tonight we are talking about pink flamingos the one of the biggest if not maybe arguably one of maybe the biggest cult film classic of the modern era uh john waters not his first film but it's definitely the film that broke him out to a uh a wider sort of knowledge in the underground and now overground. I mean, it's, I mean, we, there are parents that, there are grandparents that know who John Waters is. He is, he's as mainstream as Applebee's, but so much tastier.
0: Uh, You can't get singing assholes at Applebee's, I don't think, right?
1: Well, that's why I don't go there anymore. That's also why they throw me out, but, you know. (laughs)
0: Hey, uh, I forgot to warn you guys. We're watching trailers
1: this season of
0: cult movies so let's watch this trailer everybody at home can can listen in here we go i'd like to close with the original trailer new line cinema used to sell pink flamingos notice no footage from the actual movie is ever shown did you happen to hear
1: about it? From some friends
2: who saw it and thought it was absolutely marvelous. Probably, I'll be very insulted. Rex Reed <laughs> told us that it's uh, fabulous. Why
0: would you come out at midnight to see
2: it? Why go home at midnight? What are you going to see there? I guess there's just two kinds of people, in Sandstone, my kind of people, and at home. Fantastic. <laughs> it's the third time I've been to it. It's an incredible head thing for people. Oh, it's marvelous, absolutely. Most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my whole life.
0: Not to be believed. Really... Absolutely outrageous. Just... It was divine, fabulous. Oh my God! What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop it! Stop it! That wasn't better than Cries and Whispers. I think it's the future of
2: city living. Uh, really? Fantastic. It was really fun. Reaction? Excellent. Yes. Love it. Really good. Really good. Right? It's great. Piece of garbage. Likewise, I have an aversion to snakes. It was
1: divine. I love religious movies.
2: It's a little gross, but I liked it.
1: Well, it was uh, really the grossest film i have seen. I think John Waters has got his <laughs>
0: finger on the pulse of America. I think he's got his thumb Hello. securely up America's ass. I enjoy dirty things as so much as everyone else does, but this isn't even dirty. It's just disgusting. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh you know, that you don't need to see footage from this movie to sell it. You know, obviously I feel like that that trailer you get crowd reactions. Um so, if you would allow me to begin, let me read a few reviews. Here's from the original uh review from Variety in 1973. Uh, So they, you know, they do a quick premise of the movie and they say around the above premise spins the nitwit plot of the poorly lensed 16 millimeter picture pink flamingos, one of the most vile, stupid and repulsive films ever made. And I picked this review because it has two words that I just just absolutely delicious words coming up here. Divine's Mama Edie, a huge mountain of adipose tissue. Whoa. Inhabits a playpen in the mobile home and performs capov- uh caprophagy on the fresh product of a miniature poodle while well, how much is that dog in the window toodles on the soundtrack
1: wait are they implying that edie eats the dog poo
0: no um
1: i'm fine for you Brian inhabits playpen in the
0: <laughs> yeah they do it sounds like it
1: lazy ass, lazy ass. <laughs> who wrote that who are they
0: yeah that's why they don't put the names in their Uh variety right the variety reviews and then uh here's here's from our boy roger ebert pink flamingos so this is from him seeing the 25th anniversary screening Uh pink flamingos was filmed with genuine geeks and that is the appeal of the film to those who find it appealing what seems to happen in the movie really does happen that is its redeeming quality you might say if the events in this film were, uh, were only simulated, it would merely be depraved and disgusting. But since they are actually performed by real people, the film gains a weird kind of documentary stature. There's a temptation to praise the film, however grudgingly, just to show you have a strong enough stomach to take it. It's a temptation I can resist. Oh, Roger, good for you.
1: How that motherfucker breaks my heart every time because I'm like, this man gave us Beyond the Valley of Dolls, which is a film near and dear to my heart. Uh, It's one I don't quote quite as much as Pink Flamingos, but I'm going to quote it. And he, he, well, real
0: quick, he, he ends it by saying, Note, I'm not giving a star rating to Pink Flamingos because stars simply seem not to apply. It should be considered not as a film but as a fact, or perhaps as an object. <laughs> a
1: pretentious ass. I'm so... Oh. oh.
0: And see, I, I still love Roger Ebert, so... Uh, <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I mean, it's,
2: it's a can, joy to disagree with him. It's a right. joy to disagree with him.
1: It Dan. is. Well, I mean,
0: just look at, you know, that, that was him and Gene's, you know, their whole relationship. Like, that's what sold them, because they always disagreed and, like, almost... Violently with each other. So he is, he's, you know, he's super fun to disagree with because probably 50% of everything he writes, I'm like, this is, no, you're absolutely wrong. What, what freaking movie did you watch? um But before I, I get to, to you two, real fast, I just want to say, so this is, I only watch it for the second time. The first time I watched Pink Flamingos, I, I didn't like it. I didn't get it. I was like, what, like, are we, is it just like a gross out flick? I don't, I did not like it. And I watched it today and I was like, genius. It's brilliant. <laughs> so, uh, like uh, my experience with most of John Waters' movies, it takes me two times to to get him, I feel like. Um, so, let's start. Heather, tell me your first experience, if you can remember, with Pink Flamingos.
1: Uh, I love I don't know why, let me say if you can remember, like, I just picture, like, little me,
2: like,
1: when my mother's not in the room, be like, I, sadly, I did not have that early of an access to it, but um, when I started getting into cult film, and reading about it, researching it, when I was in my early teens, I would say, um, it's, I started finding little nuggets about it, and I was so curious, and I was like, what is this film, and of course, you know, you'd see that classic image of divine, and that amazing sort of like fuchsia pink gown with the mohawk and the extreme makeup and the gun and like just like anarchist glam drag queen punk like yes that has I mean it spoke to me on a primordial level and of course because I'm into punk too and I'm into glam and I'm into drag and it's like it's everything that I've always loved even as at an age where I really couldn't maybe formulate why and And I read about it and uh, this book that, um, even though nobody could see this, but I love show and tell. This is my OG copy of Midnight Movies, the classic Jay Hoberman and Jonathan Rosenbaum book, um, which I got on my 16th birthday.
2: Hmm.
1: And the John Waters chapter was one, that one and the one on Hodorowski, I would just read, reread, study it. And I hadn't seen either one of those, the, the films yet. Uh, but it was there was just something like holy shit I gotta find this and then uh, the 25th anniversary of Pink Flamingos came out at uh, this chain that used to be around called Hastings they had the VHS oh yeah, brand new um, and it was 20 bucks which was kind of steep at that point for a VHS believe it or not but I was like I gotta get it and I'd never seen it before but I'm like this is I just went with my gut watched it love bloomed. it did not disappoint and i ever since then i've watched it rewatched it rewatched it when i was in college i watched it almost weekly um just to get me through that st- the, the stress of it it was became just like one of my biggest comfort foods um movies um maybe food is not the word to use but uh but i don't know i just feel like um huh you know it's weird with ebert people just focusing on these the things that aren't faked i'm like there's if that's what you're getting from the movie you're kind of kind of missing out on the bigger picture in my opinion but we can get to that but yeah i um oh i love it so my easily in my top 10 films of all time
0: wow okay yeah. rachel give me your your uh, life experience with pink flamingos
2: well my parents and their friends and uh, my younger aunt and uncle would go to midnight movies. And so I definitely started first hearing about midnight movies from them um, when I, in, in the 70s. So unfortunately I learned about things like Deep Throat when I was under 10, which was something I wasn't necessarily able to process, but I had heard about Divine and heard about John Waters and then was aware from some media. You know, I definitely saw some magazines. I even feel like in People Magazine by the early 80s, you could see Divine hmm. in some of these, you know. Um, but the first movie that I saw Divine in wasn't John Waters. It was Lust in the Dust. Oh. And, I, and it was either, and I, um, I don't know if it was cable or if I rented the, the VHS. I can't remember, but um, I saw that and I, lo- I'm, I love Tab Hunter. I'm a big Tab Hunter fan. It was such a crazy movie to me. I, I mean, I was probably 14, I would say, when I saw it, um, which was still in the 80s. It came out in '84, so this was probably like '87. And um, and then I got into I sought out John Waters from there. So my friend Lou was older than me, and he worked at a mom and pop uh, video store that had like the sal- saloon doors to the 18 plus area and everything. It was quite, it was like a, it was a great place for us. But, um, and I'm pretty sure that I was able to then see those, the earlier John Waters movies from that, uh, from that. But I would, but definitely by the time I was um, right out of high school, it was the 20th anniversary of Pink Flamingos. I definitely saw it as Midnight Movie. Then, and probably 10 years later, also at the, uh, Tivoli in St. Louis. Mm. So it was really cool to be able to see it on a screen. And um, yeah, some, I, I caught up in high school and then at college, you know, I dropped out of college pretty quickly, but or, you know, college age and late, late teens and early twenties, it was, they were just re-watchers all the time. And I have to confess, uh, Female Trouble is my fave, complete oh, fave. People so think number two for me, but I really love Female Trouble, but um, yeah, so that's that.
0: Yeah, I watched uh, Female Trouble for the first time today and while, again, I was like I just, I don't really get it the The trampoline bit where she comes out is like one of the greatest things I've ever seen and like I was dying and just how uh, dedicated Divine was to the performance. I mean, obviously there's so many things in Pink Flamingos, but but like like you know she was just so into performing and you know how how she would like shake and like you know rub rub her crotch and i just and then like does a flip on the train it was i was just like this is so great to see um so yeah i here's a question um that ultimately it doesn't matter But uh, I can't deny that it's floating around in my head. Technically speaking, is Pink Flamingos a good movie?
2: Yes. Uh, Yes, I say yes, for sure.
0: Why? Whoever goes first, I don't care.
2: Well, here's a weird thing. I think it actually uh, pales by today's standards for filth. You know, like now it's like to to rewatch it, which I just did just now before this. Um, it, you know, Heather and I both also kind of secretly work in media that's separate from our interest. And there are stories every day about things that are much wilder. There are dozens of these stories that are that go beyond anything that they tell in Pink Flamingos. So it it's kind of cute. Like there are cute things that I like but there are things that I'm still that I'm kind of just like, oh, oh I know that this is coming up in it or whatever. But um, I do think, I think it's a great movie. It's a great ensemble. It's really silly. I love the silliness of it. Some of my favorite parts are just like absolutely silly. Um, and I and saying like the, whatever, what the description was about the something lens 16 millimeter. Yeah, I think it right. looks amazing for 16 millimeter. Oh my God. Yeah, yes. like I, yeah. It really, it really does. I think there's a, I think there's a lot of, uh, great actors great scripting yeah i think it's i think it's a good movie yeah yeah Yeah, i mean and that's the thing is that i think i think sometimes i wonder if
1: people get kind of in a way like babied like if if your main diet of film is just like whatever you see you know mainstream hollywood kind of product everything's like super slick looking and so especially like if, if people haven't like watched a lot of like Older films and certainly like more like low budget underground cinema. Like, yeah, they're I gotta yeah, be like, Oh, is this technically no, it is technically good. It's well the editing has a great rhythm to it, the composition's good, the script is fantastic. Like, I mean, there's so many quotable lines in it. The characters, each character really pops. Um the world that is created in this film. that's one of the, I think the strongest things about, about John Waters is his, his universe has like such amazing characters that are, there's almost at times like, almost I mean, not like fairy tale, but there's always like a sense, like, and it's kind of like, Rachel, Rachel, you're talking about the silliness. I love that too. Cause there's like a whimsy. There's so much whimsy, um, even when things get, I mean, it's funny as Pink Flamingos as infamous as it is, I actually think it's one of his lighter films of the '70s. Like the, ironically, the film that would tie for me of all of his that would be my favorite next to Pink Flamingos is Desperate Living, and oh god, it's so good. And Bella, Female Trouble, but both of those are considerably darker yeah. than Pink Flamingos, and I say darker with love because I'm God. I mean, I'm literally wearing a T-shirt that says Dracula on it, like. <laughs> Uh, uh, Yeah, but um, yeah, with Pink Flamingos, yeah, the soundtrack, like, his use of soundtrack, so great. And to me, it's like the perfect marriage of, in a lot of ways, his influences, because he's always been open about being influenced by Disney and old Hollywood and Douglas Sirk, but also being influenced by going to New York in the '60s, the Manson family, yeah, the Manson family, true crime, Andy Warhol, you know, the Kuchar brothers, Kenneth Anger. And so you have this <clears throat> just amazing melting pot of influences that I don't think, you know, people had really seen. You had to see the mix of pop culture influence. I mean, not in film. I mean, obviously we've got pop art. But as far as like cinema goes, there wasn't a whole lot of things where it's like, I love Disney and old Hollywood. And I love, you know, you know, Jack Smith like Flaming Creatures, yeah, it, it's, you yeah, know, it's something, you know, and Louis, Louis Benul, and, you know, you got Art House in there, too, so, yeah, I think Pink Flamingos is a great film, um, the fact that people tend to have such a strong reaction to it, and it's easy to be like, oh, it's gross, like, like Rachel said, there's plenty of things gross, more gross out there, and even of that time period, I mean, this wasn't a mainstream thing over here, but, I mean, in Europe, in the 60s, you had the Viennese actionists, and their films, they were doing things that were way more extreme than anything John Waters. I mean, right down to like things ranging as harmless as rolling around and food and dirt and some of other stuff's really, really creatively compelling, but then some of it is like, they'd have animal sacrifices, you know, and not like a chicken, you know, because the chicken thing in this scenes. I mean, I'm not a fan of it because I love animals, but it doesn't make me like oh it's not like cannibal holocaust or anything does it make you like be like you know you know hiding from the room but um but the Viennese actionists were way more extreme um and they were used in uh the movie uh, sweet movie um so there was more extreme art going on before pink flamingos realistically sure. people you know if you have a strong reaction to something that means it's because there's something actually else going on in that work that is worth talking about and worth looking at you know the worst reaction a film can have is if you're bored and you don't give a shit (laughs) you know yeah i
0: i'm trying to recall what exactly i felt or why exactly i felt the way i did after the first time i watched this and i don't you know i I think about these guys. You know what? I completely forgot about this. Let me read uh, a paragraph from Danny real quick. Jeez, this is the Danny Perry podcast. Um, Okay, so this is how he closes out his essay. I think Waters and Company are funny, but there is something about Waters' work I don't trust. And while I disagree with everything Danny's going to say here, I I think it's interesting, and I'm not going to tell anybody you can't feel this way. Um, So uh, something about Waters' work I don't trust. I find Waters awfully fascinated by castrations, torture, rape, horrible executions, pain, perversion, foul language, blood, meanness, and fire. I don't believe any of this is included in his work solely for shock value, but rather to amuse those in the audience with sick fantasies. I don't think Waters is a, is a perverted fascist, but I believe he uh, his trying-to-be-funny style calls for him to make films as if he were a perverted fascist with a camera. During a time when youth violence for kicks is on the upswing, when many young people equate being against the system with admiring Hitler, whom they know nothing about except that their elders despise him, much of the cinema of John Waters is irresponsible. And again, I I, I disagree. I don't know if there's... Oh, I'm sure there is irresponsible art. I, I sure haven't found any yet. And I hope to God, I don't find any irresponsible art, but. um,
1: I think some of the budgets of like major movies
2: is. The... <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, I'll sure see if
1: I mean, that looks completely boring. And I'm like, this you was sure the budget.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Multi millions upon millions of dollars. I'm that's like, we true. Yeah, we could have like given this to the homeless and exactly. said we got Transformers 8
0: right Michael I be- Bay I, I like. believe it's nine I think nine, I don't know um, I
2: think it's a great review in that I would read that and want to directly rebel against it
0: yeah oh yeah
1: for oh, sure I love
2: that yeah it's funny with Danny when I even when I don't agree with him I think
1: the thing I love about him is that he's so thoughtful like you know and that's and I do love that about a writer like even my favorite writer which by the way today we're recording this on April 30th which is is the anniversary of Lester Bang's who is one of my favorite writers of all time passing into the happy hunting grounds. But like, I didn't always agree with him, but he was so compelling and he was also very fluid too. Like there'd be things he would change his mind on and be like, well,
0: that's the thing. Like Danny and I, we're going to talk here in a couple weeks and I want to ask him about some of these things um, because, you know, uh, I I feel like those of us who are aware of John Waters now kind of look at him sort of like this anti-dangerous, like, like he's this, he, he's one of the people that I would die to me because I just know he would be one of the kindest, sweetest, most loving people in the world. And, um, you know, our, of course our, our art isn't always, um, or rarely is a reflection of who we are are uh with that said i don't think there's anything about pink flamingos where it's like oh this is this is really dangerous it doesn't really feel that dangerous and maybe that's because i came to it much later and i've seen so many more movies that do feel dangerous um uh but it i mean it's more than anything for me pink flamingos just looks fun as hell like these are you know, a group of friends that just got together and made art. And like it, it just looks like they're having a fucking blast together. And that's all I, you know, I could ever hope for when I watch a movie. And I think when you watch a Waters movie, whether I like the movie or not, I can tell like this is a group of people who they're having a great time spending, spending their time together.
2: Well, and they were outsiders, which is something that John Waters says frequently. These were people that rejected their own communities, you know, hippies that hated hippies and art students that hated art students, you know, and, and, you know, members of the gay community that hated the gay community. It's like they felt, you know, it's like they were the outsiders of their outsider groups and they, they found solace in each other and, and they were clearly very talented and and just like ready to have fun. I mean it it does when I the last time that we met up and we were talking about you know Paul Morrissey and oh, yeah. Warhol and that you know it's it's a group of friends that I was talking about desperate teenage love dolls and that's a group of friends <laughs> like there's an energy that gets created some of these are more self serious than others, but um there is there is it's like all the friends college student films that I was in or films that in high school that we would get the video camera and start making stuff it's like it's that energy this stuff existed and it you know it perpetuated that type of energy into the future of just pick up a camera and do something i bought super 8 cameras because of movies like this you know
1: sure. oh i love that that's and that that's to me like there is such a thrill like yeah it doesn't people mingos never felt dangerous to me then again i tend to love art that other people will call irresponsible <laughs> i love that oh um, but um but there there's that there is that energy and it's like the it's almost taking like that old sort of like adage like the whole andy hardy like let's put on a show we got we got two pallets you know and uh and are you glitter. saying
0: you're gonna pair an andy hardy movie with pink flamingos at the end here
1: uh no no because <laughs> I'm very rusty <laughs> on the Andy Hardy <laughs> series but uh but no and I love it. and that's something that is again so so punk it's like it's you know like Rachel you nailed it so beautifully and it's like you can apply that to so much it's like with music with zine culture with any you know with so much art so many art movements it's you know like we're not this is an elitist we're taking it back from the elite and like you know we can do this too why not and um and his his dreamlanders like i love his cast so much um in just you know and again i you know kind of an influence i think from the factory going back to to warhol because you know andy had his sort of like coterie of stars and artists um but I feel like with 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 Waters, it's it's part that, it's part old Hollywood, but it is also, I mean, like you said, Rachel, like that family, to me, it is like, that's something I think I definitely connected with so much as a young, like when I was a teenager and certainly now, is that when you do feel like a misfit and you see these films, you, you do kind of get it immediately because you're like, yeah, I don't fit in either. And I love that. I always loved all the stories about Divine too, where, I mean, it's- probably kind of surreal for people to think about it now but divine like other drag queens hated divine like you know divine did drag start doing drag in an era where to quote waters uh other drag queens wanted to look like their mothers (laughs) and and um you know Divine just uh had that you know that charisma and and i love taking that something that made 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 him get bullied in school that just he was just innately who he was and i'm saying he because i believe divine right you know <laughs>
0: yeah yeah he yeah. was just a drag queen right yeah
1: but um you know take you take that like alchemy and it's like okay yeah i'm a misfit and that's why i'm getting bullied and getting you know being you know basically an outcast and i'm gonna transmute to that and be the charismatic creator that i truly am Right. And what Just is Taylor more. Meets
2: Jane Mansfield meets Godzilla.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And that's like, that, I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of magic that saves people's lives. Like, uh, you know, it's, and it's so beautiful. And I, I feel like that's in, uh, pretty much almost all of John Waters films, you know, in every John Waters films, there's always a little like nest of family. And sometimes it's an actual family, sometimes it's just friends, but there's always that there's a sweetness there. I find there's always some kind of heart in his movies. And I think Pete Flamingos has great heart. I mean, and the fact that it makes you fall in love with Divine, and Divine makes you fall in love with her anyway, because she's Divine, but Babs Johnson is the filthiest person alive. The woman that is telling us to eat shit, advocate cannibalism. You know, the sight of blood does more than excite me. It makes me come. And you're like, hell yeah, girl, like you love her. Like this is our heroine. And I I mean, what's more subversive than that? It's so beautiful. Um, yeah, we're so you get so you know, people have such black and white portrayals in and in, in art where it's like in storytelling, where it's like if somebody's your hero or heroine, they almost have to they bland them. So many times, they're just like so goody two shoes, and you're like, I can't relate to this, like, you know. And you know, I'm not walking children in nature, and you know, like, and and it's like, no here's Divine, just like with her son Crackers, who looks like Gibby Haynes from the Butthole Surfers. <laughs> <laughs> Does is he not Gibby? A, like, if I yeah. mean nobody, nobody touched this movie. But if you did, like, *Pimping as the Musical*. Gibby haynes could do crackers now i don't give a shit i want to see that
2: (laughs) well there's a and there's a uh, there is a waters quote where he says they were united through marijuana rage and defiance the sense of humor you know and and i that i love i think like he says these are these are films for potheads we were potheads and the, but then the the idea of the rage and defiance too it's like it kind of sums it up perfectly and that he said he wanted to make himself laugh first so that you know so it's like what's what is more fun than that he he was doing it for himself he if he was laughing then it was a good movie and i have to agree with that i mean obviously things changed over the years that it would become you know he'd have to sacrifice some of that to be a bigger director but i love it
0: yeah you know he i think he's still such a an inspirational figure like you know this book that he just came out with which is you know about you know the the worst woman in the world basically uh he is so inspiring you know i always say larry fessenden is my is my favorite filmmaker because he goes out and makes his thing with with like little resources. You know, he can't he doesn't have much, but he knows how to make a great film, so he goes out and does it. John Waters does the same thing and and, you know, like you're saying, he's got this kind of coterie of of friends, first and foremost, friends that that will stick by side and go out and just tell these kind of crazy stories. But I think, Heather, what you were saying before how There are um, I mean, you didn't really say you didn't say touching, but like there are these touching moments in all of his movies where, you know, I think about the scene where they're all sitting around uh, Edie's in her in her crib and then the, the kids are there and Babs is there and they're before they kind of disperse for the day. But, you know, it's this family that they're sitting together and, yes, like they're in this kind of trashy trailer out in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and Babs, you know, declares that she's the filthiest person in the world. But she's with her people. And I think it, that's such a it's such an odd thing that you get in this movie that has a reputation for being like, you know, super gross. And, and I'll say there's like, it, the dog poop thing at the end is the only thing that I find gross in this movie. Everything else is, I'm just like, this is, this is fun. It's, it's, you know, it, it's funny. But that, that sort of really um, small moment of the family unit, just family unit, well sitting together in their trailer before they go about their day is really cool because it's, it's John Waters showing, proving that, you know, family isn't just who, uh, you know, where you biologically came from. You, You know, you can have your chosen family. So you have this, this family on screen that is John Waters' chosen family. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's really touching when I think about that. Uh, but also hysterical, knowing that it's in the middle of this preposterous movie, fabulous but preposterous.
2: And Water says too, very intentionally, he took the '50s, '60s family values and flipped them on their head. Like that was the, and you can tell that there is, there's that feeling of taking something traditional, you know, and just completely exploiting it and making it the opposite. It's like this is a real it's kind of like keeping up with the Joneses type of situation, except they're competing to be the filthiest people in the world. It's this, it would be, it's not all that different from wanting you know wanting someone's career or wanting someone's family or car or whatever. It's expressed in that similar way, except, you know, I mean, it, it almost seems more like it's a comment on fame when I look at it now, but to hear him describe it as those family values, I think I grew up so enough outside of that that I you know I wouldn't experience it necessarily as this like you know anti leave it to beaver or some kind of whatever sure. it's like I do see that but um so so yeah I like I like that it's at the time it was such a conscious you know double birds to that those family values and it was their own family values it's like and that
0: that just shows how much thought he it, it wasn't like he's like let's just go out and make a movie to like shock people, no there's actual thought, lots of thought put into this script into this idea, into this movie, uh, so it's more and I, obviously I think Pink Flamingos, uh, you know, has a very good reputation now. You know I, I look at Letterbox and I mean it's all five four and a half stars like. You know, people love it. It's in the Criterion Collection, which doesn't mean shit. But still, like, you know, it's kind of funny to think, right? Um, multiple John Waters movies are in the Criterion Collection. And, and you know, it's regarded as this, like, actual classic cult classic, you know? Um, and so, you know, again, that just, it's it's going back to my my first question, is this technically a good movie? Uh yeah
2: it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well it influenced punk rock and it changed drag forever. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of stuff culturally going on. Mm-hmm. Well, and the
1: fact that, and I didn't even think about this till I was rereading, um, cause I hadn't actually picked up Midnight movies in a long time. Um, and kind of like spot reading or rereading that chapter. And they have this whole section where they mentioned like, you know, this is the same era where we get like, quote-unquote shock rock too like this was such an interesting kind of like what was in the soup with the early 70s with like post manson vietnam but also like positive things women's liberation gay liberation you know uh the black panthers and you know and, and all of this stuff but they mentioned uh alice cooper uh in that chapter which is which is kind of, I thought, wow, I never thought that the parallel, because both of them, both Alice and John Waters grew up, like, in a very normal, like, what people would consider whatever normal is, but, like, a very traditional kind of family, middle class upbringing. Um, Both of them, to this day, like, you see them interviewed, and, you know, well-spoken, definitely not threatening, Um, could charm the pants probably out of anybody's, like, you know, old church auntie. I think Alice is a little more on the conservative side, probably. Um, in his day-to-day things with John, but not like in a butthole way. I, at least I hope not. Nobody break my heart on that because I love Alice Cooper. But, um, but no. But it's like, because like. There's this quote from Robert Criswell, who is a terrible critic, and, <laughs> and I. <laughs> He's awful. <laughs> I mean, I might I might start on Ebert but within a day. I don't have any beef with Ebert because they're because again, like what you guys said earlier, he's interesting and Rachel, I think you 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 put it so sublimely. He's fun to disagree with. <laughs> i'll I'll, but don't bring up his reveal liquid sky i will literally turn into yosemite sam
0: oh we'll get there uh, at some point since (laughs) since it's in
1: oh you should have you on that episode oh okay all right i'll get i'll get you all the ratings for people be like oh my god heather won't stop cussing and yelling (laughs) 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 you're like my speakers are on fire drain calm down (laughs) but uh but yeah that the and the thing is like when you mentioned that sweetness though with the, the family interaction Anthony I one of the things that I always find so sweet is the way Cotton played by the great Mary Vivian Pierce treats Edie because yeah. she's so like even just her voice her tone of voice like Edie honey and you know it's so cute and Edie's
2: like the baby of the family too really right yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Edie Schmeedy. I love God, Edith Matthews so great like everybody's so great in this and Evie um uh, it's just I mean it's such a bizarre role, but again, like Water is just using her natural charisma. And you know, it's easy maybe for somebody to say, Oh, she's a non-actor, but look at the the turns she pulls in later on as like the evil Queen Carlotta.
2: Completely.
1: And as the, you know, it also as the <laughs> oh god her female trouble you mentioned this, this, the whole amazing monologue where she's just begging her son to turn nelly i mean icon- iconic iconic and um yeah it's it's fascinating too because with this film and the you know people mentioned garcelle i had a friend and she was like oh god there's a scene of Pink Flamingos that just makes like turns my stomach and i have to turn the movie off and i'm like what is it, it usually for most people it's the singing asshole um for her it was edith cleavage covered in like bits of egg the egg thing freaked her out she was like i, I could not hate eggs
2: some people yeah some people hate eggs is that was, gross you out anthony You're no i,
0: I love i love eggs
2: did it make you hungry
0: n- no which is funny because <laughs> i was eating lunch and then the like her you know she's always calling for the egg man but the the scene where she does have the eggs all over her i was like Okay, I'm not eating lunch anymore. Something. And and it's not Edith because she's, I think she's, she's so cute. And like, she, it's, I love how she is Mm. so game for this. Also about shit in my pants when I was watching Female Trouble and like her, you know, boobs are just hanging out. I'm like, good for her. (laughs) And then she puts on like that kitten with a whip, like onesie. I'm like, Jesus, like good for. And so, like, no, it's not her because I loved her. It was that, like, and it, it probably wouldn't,
2: yeah, just it, the food on her. It'd be it'd any gross.
0: any food, exactly, yeah. not just eggs. Mm-hmm. Just the food. It just grossed me out. Yeah.
1: Every I, that's the thing that fascinates. I think about the human condition. Every individual has different triggers. If she if she was eating cream corn, I would be turning. It. Oh <laughs> God! Straight up, I would be like, I'd be like, this is an abomination of God. <laughs> so I get it. Um, oh. But eating is adorable, and just like the dynamic also Mary Vivian Pierce is so beautiful can we she looks like Jean
2: Harlow yeah she's like that twin of Jean Harlow
1: oh my god just just so the camera just loves her um and I I can't believe though I have gone this long without invoking um my if, if I've ever had a crush on any of the dreamlanders it has been this man Mr. David Lockery (laughs) as raymond marble which means i watched this movie way too much in college but i love him him and mink stole which mink stole for the record i i awards are kind of bullshit anyways well they're definitely bullshit but if they had any validity mink stole would have every acting award because mink stole brings it in everything like i would yeah i mean i mean taffy so about female trouble
2: i I, I didn't even to, recognize
0: yeah. her i was like yeah what the because i saw her name in the credits i mm. was like mm. where's ming stole and then i had to look on imdb and i was like get the fuck yeah. out that that's her <laughs> yeah she's so great also real quick time out uh everybody if you haven't yet our friend bill and his fabulous uh podcast supporting characters he had a great conversation with with the wonderful Mink Stoll. Oh, Stole. it's so good. So go back and listen to that. Yeah, because they, you know, they're he's from Baltimore. She's from Baltimore. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry, Heather. Go ahead.
1: No, never. No, Bill. Love Bill. Yes, everybody go, li- go listen to that show in general too. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I mean Mink. Like I love just how uptight they are and their own little, just like criminal element, like her interview scene with Sandy Sandstone. Yeah. Oh my God. And yeah, when, I don't know what I love them more, her or Sandy, when Sandy goes, eat the bird, bitch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like so... why are you such a C word? <laughs> and as a villain couple, like they're, they're so amazing as a villain couple, you know, like Man. I, It's like what is a, you know, I mean, eating Raúl. Like, what's another? What would be like a, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) uh,
1: they are. It's in my favorite. Their love scene, the dialogue, it's so sucking sixty with the toes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love you more than the sounds of bones breaking. I love that. Yes, baby's crying. Yes at oh,
2: it's a, more it, than my hair color I like more <laughs> than my hair color
0: yeah that that was sort of my indicator like okay so the the blue hair on david and the like stark red hair on mink is like that's a you know that's that's a character choice
2: yeah. uh and you mm-hmm. know it's
0: just like but uh, again it
2: I use magic marker ink like refill ink for magic markers because it was pre-punk pre really panic. Oh, yeah, you couldn't get, you couldn't do that. They, they use the markers. I saw an interview with Mink Stole where she said, it's like, you know, school supply refill ink for magic markers is what they use for their hair.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, those two together. I, man, Rachel, you're, you're onto something. Like, I think there's a, there could be a podcast there, like favorite villain couples. Yeah. But I, I love, love the idea of Paul and Mary from, from uh eating raul oh. <laughs> with oh god that that's great great
2: gosh and that's also how they the love scene where they kind of they do like the gender swap you know like where they under they have like the opposite underwear oh yeah yes. she puts his underwear on. yeah you know it's like yeah no it's the, the details are so great with them also it's something that hit me the the kind of
1: like sort of bump like his hair the way his hair is shaped in that scene where it's like two bumps
2: yeah like rounded
1: is wicked like later on what they would use for Bram Stoker's Dracula yeah oh yeah I I, that literally just occurred to me now I don't know if that was intentional on Coppola or the designer on that film but um now I wish there was a universe where David Lockery was Dracula because I would watch the living hell out of that uh but yeah he I oh they're so perfect i mean mink mink is a goddess and david lockery i wish you know he we lost him young but holy shit he died in 1977 yeah wow it's for
0: what did he was he
1: i think it was i i think it was ot i i think he was tied to um angel dust because i remember reading where john waters said the he was very much anti-angel dust just because of
2: the ties to that oh my Um, gosh how about when it first shows him here, I'm going to get off the topic of angel dust, but yeah, <laughs> when he first goes out and like, I'm thinking that he's looking for new, you know, baby makers, but it turns out he just likes to expose himself in public and he's got the kielbasa tied to his dick. <laughs> like, I love that scene. Oh my
1: God. The music used for that. I'm trying to think, is it that one where it's like, like at the chick chick. Like that, I tried to think how that goes. It's like the you know the music choices in this film. I mean, the most the most epic use of the girl can't
2: help it, in my opinion, oh my is in this gosh. film. That's incredible. I mean, that when you talk about the shots in this film, to talk about how that where it's just there's only a handful of kind of you know following shots, these longer shots, and it's so the perfect energy and knowing that it borrows from Jane Mansfield. Yeah. Directly, and it's like up the stairs, down the stairs, down the town. And you know, Divine's like making eyes at the guys on the street and stuff, and just so it's so it really you're just like bouncing along with her. You're like, that's right, go into town.
0: It, you know that th- those those are my favorite parts of the movie, those montages, because they they he's so obviously influenced by like the French New Wave. Uh, you know, having having gone through a French New Wave period last year, you know, rewatching Pink Flamingos today, I was like, you know, I, I'm noticing that. So again, I realized today, I don't think many people would be like, "Oh, Pink Flamingos, no way, what a trashy film." Um, maybe my mom, but um, uh, but uh, you know, I you can see the artistry in. This movie that is, you know, the this with this silly premise about these two people competing to be the filthiest people, filthiest person in the world. Uh, yeah, it is this. And I think who said it was it was it uh, Ebert had compared it, it has this sort of um documentary feel about it. And I think that again, like. Uh, you think about because you know, uh, um, Waters was so influenced by uh, Luis Buñuel, and again, like you can see just sort of the heavy artistry of, and I'm not calling Pink Flamingos an art movie by any means, but there's so, again so much thought. I mean, you, you certainly could, so much thought, uh, that went into this that you can watch it. It's just, you know, his in, he's wearing his influences on his sleeve. And I love that, you know what, this is his first colored picture. Um, and you know, he's out there sort of proving to the world that look, I can make a film, but also two middle fingers, uh, way up in the air, kind of waving at society sort of thing.
1: Yeah um and and there's so many the way that he attacks so many like sort of very like transgressive elements like you the baby makers okay Rachel you gave me the perfect the (laughs) perfect segue to I feel like who's truly the most tragic maybe the most tragic character in all of water's film history and of course talking about Channing the butler yes I love Channing the butler he he He's just his whole thing where he gets caught like in yes. dressing up and role playing and reenacting their love dialogue
2: favorite scenes, oh my God. He looks very hot with his chest hair and body hair in um Connie's jacket. like yes. it's super he looks super glam. I think he looks great.
1: yeah, and he's like, oh, uh, like he's like heavy breathing. like he's so excited he at characters, then, right. It,
2: and, and, then and he kept saying he was playing like it, it is really sweet when he's just like i was just playing i was just play-. it's like he performs such horrendous acts for them in you know in service to them he does such horrific things he's just playing and, I over- and just at, when he repeats their whole love scene and everything too it's you know <laughs> i would do i i would act that out with my barbies i think it's perfect it is playing It it, is the fact that
1: it's all tied to like status, where he's just thinking, I was just thinking about my status too," you know. And it's like his (laughs) his his, the class status of it is the reason he's. I I just want to share. Look at him. Look, Uh he's just so. He looks like he looks like Dieter Meyer now from Yellow. It's just what
0: a picture. This is this is his his picture on Letterboxd for he does. I would hug
1: him. What I mean come on man. these people were and people never mention him <sighs> enough he's so good he's yeah. so good and <clears throat> it, it, like his response to Connie when they pick up that one hitchhiker and Connie's just you know you basically you know asking the girl if she wants to make it you know with our butler because he's got a real horse stick and, he, and the way he goes hey <laughs> Connie like that <laughs> I love <laughs> oh my god and his and his interactions with <clears throat> one of the one of the main girls chained in the basement which i believe is played by susan Lowe, which is yeah. a mind trip if you see desperate living because she plays mo she's so good as mo oh my god i'd love and susan Lowe's a female trouble susan Lowe is another underrated dreamlander in my opinion but her she's it's so hateful that it may it's so hilariously hateful though where she calls them you rotten little dingle bear. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, look at how sick it made me to fuck
2: you. <laughs> also, I mean, when she's throwing up, when like, that is, I mean, it is again, it's atrocious what they're creating, but the way it is demonstrated is so funny. he's jerking off, and she's like, you're gonna make me throw. and she's throwing up. And the other woman is just passed out. I'm just like, what is happening? Yeah, it's see uh, so you know odd. it's
0: it's because it's so ridiculous so i I watch this movie I, I really love this movie. It's called breeder. it's a it's a Dutch sort of horror movie where they mm. kidnap young women and then chain them up and breed them, okay? Oh, they're, yeah, but like, like you're saying, like that that is so like there's no levity in that movie. As much as I like that movie, there's no levity in it. And it's like it's the same premise uh, where we're kidnapping girls and like injecting them with sperm and they they show the whole thing. But in I, I, there's just this ridiculousness to the waters and like the, you know, the throw up. I mean, everything sort of like compiles on top of each other to make it um a little more palpable. I guess I don't know it like it, it's funny it's not yes well, it's, it's wrong what they're doing the right exactly mm-hmm. but it's fucking hysterical I think
2: right. and the marbles say that they in they they reinvest their money in okay Porno, <laughs> <I> porno <laughs> got the porno industry I and heroin that? distribution in grade schools The way that Lockery
1: says that too, like, it's always sounds like this is like why, you know, it's like somebody talking about their stocks and bonds.
2: I mean, that's the 50, 60 quote, you know, it's like, yes, it's like, you know, tithing to the church, but they're like, we're keeping the porno industry running and making sure there's heroin in the grade schools. Like we have a higher purpose, a higher filthy purpose. We want recognition for. and, And I, Channing
1: I, going real back to Channing, I have to mention even the noise he makes when he climaxes is so hilarious. Or he's like, and now I, I can't do it, but it's like it's it. Oh, every <laughs> single time, tears, tears, and, and 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 again, yeah, it is amazing because like it, this horror movie you, you mentioned, Anthony, I immediately shudder because I was like, God, that's awful. But here I am talking about Channing the Butler doing the same thing and i'm just like i got tears in my
2: eyes like because it's so funny like,
0: yeah it,
1: it is
2: okay. i actually down three favorite things of the is it to the point where i could say my three favorite things in the movie of course or, yeah of course okay my number one favorite thing baby noodles <laughs> oh I love baby right uh, the way the cup oh <laughs> baby noodles <aw. laughs> I love baby noodles. I love the name baby noodles. I love baby noodles is like the sweet pea of the of pink flamingos. Yes. And and even that where it's like that's supposed to be controversial, but it's like you kind of you feel warm that they're selling babies to lesbian couples, you know, at the same time. But baby noodles is number one. Number <laughs> two is when uh babs and crackers are in the house like when you know when they're when they're cursing the house and they're licking everything (laughs) yeah whatever but they sit on the bed and they're like oh man what do you think they do here and she's like disgusting positions and blah 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 blah. but she says this is where they goose each other and say dirty words (laughs) so goosing each other and saying dear, dirty words I like that and then the last part is when the couch rejects her yes and then they go back and show I mean that's so funny on its own but then when they go back and it's like the cushions are yes. still like flopping around like no one can sit on the couch because it's so silly I mean it is truly that that part is truly silly because you know someone's under there just pushing the cushions right, put,
0: yeah, yeah. exactly Oh, it's yeah, it is that that's a part I had completely forgotten about until I rewatched it today. I was like, oh, my it it is. It's so, you know, just to think like you're saying somebody's actually in that couch under that chair pushing the (laughs) and and like they, they pop open like lids. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, it just adds to the ridiculous. I mean, fuck. Before that, <laughs> divine and or uh, um, uh, what's what's her name in the movie? Um, Babs. Ba- yeah, sorry, my God. Uh, ba- <laughs> oh,
1: my God. Babs, <laughs> Babs, Babs and
0: Crackers are like licking, fucking, I mean, like licking everything, everything. everything. And, then she blows, and then she blows. And then she blows her son. She's
1: like drooling and spinning all over. Oh, right. Lusing. Get yeah. everything, Crackers. Oh God, and that's yeah, that. The couch rejecting, uh, the idea of furniture rejecting people alone is hilarious. <laughs> like It's just, oh, that, I'm so glad. That is one of my favorite things here. I love that. Also, um, John Waters, as our narrator, um, as he K. now, Mr. J, and it's, uh, it, the, his intonations, like, this live I can't do it. It's a, so good. This, Bul-
2: this, this lovely mobile Baltimore. home.
1: <laughs> yes. You see when he calls them assholes when
2: he calls them assholes, call assholes Bulls, yeah. exposure oh that's a i do and think- that, was, that was like doesn't he say at some or i mean i think he says many times there was a um like a commercial voice or there was a local business in baltimore yeah mr j was like a real person that he couldn't get to do it so he imitated uh-huh. and maybe it wasn't mr j but something like that it, it was no similar yeah right it was like a commercial someone who did a local commercial and everybody mm. knew that and so even him doing that exaggerated baltimore accent is just so incredible
0: baltimore oh Baltimore. It's so
2: perfect yeah um,
0: it's very good
2: That's like come on cookie mueller
1: i uh this, was, this one was my introduction to Cookie Mueller, who now, I'm not only a fan of her as an actress, I love her writing. And some yeah. of her writing's finally getting reprinted. Um, and the poor Cookie gets put through the wringer in this movie. Uh, the chicken scene... Um, oh that's her
0: okay yeah i do feel
1: so bad for the chicken but just but then crackers like hold these goddamn chickens it's see i
0: that's the other thing that makes it you know at first you're like oh what the fuck are they like is he trying to rape her with the chicken and this that or the other but he keeps saying hold these goddamn chickens and that's when it's like it becomes funny. And, and you, she's you, like,
2: fucking chickens like that. It, it's, and I, she knew that going in, you know, like that's why she was asking for so much money because she's like, oh, this guy's into weird stuff. Right. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to have to do over there. It's like, she's the double agent. She knew that it was, you know, she's the honey trap. She was going to have to endure some repulsive stuff. Oh my God. I,
1: now, why wasn't Cookie Mueller in a movie called The Honey Trap? That would have been amazing. Oh, anywho, like, we get that great shot of Cotton peeking, like because Cotton's yeah. a voyeur, and yeah. just her panting. Oh, this poor scene!
2: And the is, go, shows up. Oh, how about the, the Eggman's egg traveling salesman egg case? It's like gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's such a brilliant invention, right there. It's like the Eggman is he's dressed like a milkman, which is great, but he shows up and has that traveling salesman suitcase with every kind of egg in it.
0: Yeah, I I love that that it'd be a case that like an antique salesman would have and he'd open it up and you'd see like, you know, numerous Fabergé eggs, but he okay. opens it up and they're actual eggs. And like, you know, he you know, this one is, you know, from the different types of chickens. And yeah, it's uh, I'm thinking
2: a, like tubes for some, you know, for your vacuum cleaner in the 50s or something, right, <laughs> right. whatever, you know, like something really a weird traveling salesman would have, you know. What about his bracelets? Every single oh, time I watch that, I I know. I'm like, I'm so jealous. I'm like, I want to accessorize, like, the Eggman. Like, and the, egg. the Eggman might be, the way you feel about Channing might be the way I feel about the Eggman. <laughs> I get it.
1: No, I love, actually, it's, I don't even know if I could limit it to three, but if I had to, I think. The Eggman my... had
2: Channing's chest hair, which <laughs> I don't know whether he does or not.
1: He might, True. he's got some very, like, very, um, like handsome strong looking hands that look a little hairy he may um button chops too yes well and that shot where they have the barbecue and the egg man is also eating the cops
2: (laughs) i love that shot i'm like oh man even the (laughs) egg man how about when they it's like when they are storming when they're bringing their riot to the raid of the cops. And you see the lineup of the whole party. Also, the party itself is so funny to look at the details because there's Nazis there, <laughs> there's, um, Jesus is there. <laughs> well, hippies are there, but um, I'm trying, there's something, there's like another distinguishing group that I'm forgetting right now. Oh God, but I know just... Also, I like when the the marbles that they said, could you connect me to the police office?
0: Yeah, the police office. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the police office.
1: Oh, that's, uh, you know, I have to say my one complaint about this film is I feel like the singing asshole should be called something else because, and this was a disconnect, the one disconnect I had when I first got to see this movie, because I'd read about it at that point for years. And I literally thought I would see uh, somebody seeing Surfing Bird with their butthole. right? And it's, he's just miming to it. And I just felt a little robbed. Yeah. But what can you do? You know, um, I will say anytime I tried to show this movie to people when I was in college and also Rachel, like yourself, I was a college dropout. Uh, I think that's that all makes the three cool-
0: of us, by the way. Oh, right
1: on. All the cool kids did it. Cause, I mean, um, no regrets, but I every single time somebody would walk in the room, it would be that scene. I swear, it was, <laughs> and they'd be like, What the fuck are you
2: watching? And I'm like, It's Pinko La And I think um, I blocked it out too because I always think of his shoulders, like, I always think of him as a contortionist, you know, which is really yeah, <laughs> he does like the shoulder blades and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, yeah,
0: he's a butthole part. contortionist,
2: right? Yeah, oh. so it was a mime, is the other thing at the party that I would it's the first piece <gasps> they show like. A Nazi, a mime, hippies, and Jesus, and then various other faults. Wow. Man, that's. It definitely. Yeah, perhaps <laughs> that's how to put on a party ever with the snake. I like in the trailer where the woman says that the only part that bothered her was the snake. I forgot I about the snake. I don't. I'm not. I'm not super comfortable with snakes, but that is a funny thing to single out. It's it's like the, if you can't stand to see food on somebody, it's that type of reaction. Some people are going to see the snake and be like, oh, can't look at the snake.
1: Oh, wow. I feel like that about uh, cream corn and Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> 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 oh, <I'll...
2: laughs> cream. I'm like, oh, oh, God, it's, it's Gwyneth G- station, I want to freak you out, Heather. Yeah. No, don't you tear. Gwyneth Paltrow
0: Robert. in a tub of cream corn.
2: Exactly
1: odd I for the cream that instance but uh also julia roberts <laughs> okay. actually her more than paltrow i just find paltrow offensively boring but she doesn't really gross me out roberts i think she has the dead-eyed look of somebody who eats
0: <laughs>
1: she's baba yaga but not cool not yeah. a cool baba yaga she's like bad baba Yaga.
0: <laughs> here's what i love about the party in Pink Flamingos (laughs) is that Julia Roberts and Gwyneth Paltrow show up. And I'm like, I love these two actors. No, uh, it's John Waters and the Dreamlander saying, fuck, we don't discriminate. Anybody can come here. Are you a mime? Are you a Christian? Are you a Nazi? Let's have a party.
2: Come on. Those are the filthiest people, though. Like who comes to Mm. the filthiest, filthy people like Jesus and Nazis come to the filthy this person alive birthday party
1: yeah
0: and julia robertson
2: no ew
1: don't even don't even uh, uh heather uh,
0: final yes. thoughts on pink flamingos
1: this, this movie um this movie rules i mean i could literally just keep keep talking about it because it's so good um i i think it is uh it is one of the biggest cult films for a very good reason uh i think it's essential viewing uh, I think it's a great comedy. I think it is, uh, I do, I would call it art as well. I'd call everything Waters is done art. I, in fact, I'm a big proponent of, you know, art house is something that is made with vision and heart. And that is John Waters to a T. It's a great cast. And, um, you know, it's not for everybody, but I think anything worth watching is not going to be for everybody. And
0: if, if you, either of you, believe in such a thing is John Waters an auteur.
1: 120%. Yeah, yeah no question. Okay. Died in the wool. He his thumbprint is his and his alone. And you can immediately
2: watch something and know. It.
0: Sure, sure. Uh Rachel, final thoughts on pink flamingos.
2: Um yeah, I think one of the best villain couples of all time. I love that their their initial description is as jealous perverts. Yes, <laughs> um, I, it's it's such a it's such a fun and silly spectacle. It's just a, a true fave. I don't even process it as as I don't know what you know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what kind of underground this that or the other. It's like I don't have a great reference for a lot of John Waters' uh, more recent films. Probably, you know, those are just like such a core that's one of the few that are like that core of the seventies John Waters films that are just like top contenders for my faves for sure.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think, you know, you you either like John Waters movies or you don't. And if you don't, that's, that's fine. I, I do not begrudge you at all. Um, But I will say as someone who has to watch uh, a John Waters movie twice, to understand the brilliance of it, may maybe give pink flamingos uh, a second try. If you saw it one time and thought, "Oh God, not for me," try it again, really, because there, there is, there is genius in there. It is art. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, okay, and I understand we could talk for hours about pink flamingos, but. Uh, I'm sure you two have to work tomorrow. I don't, the boys don't have school. I get to sleep in tomorrow, but sweet, we're gonna move on uh-huh. to our pairing recommendations with Pink Flamingos. And I will be honest, uh, I say this almost every episode now, kind of had a hard time figuring out what to pair with Pink Flamingos because it's such a singular type of movie. Um, Oh, also I, I was I alluded to this before we even started recording. I can't believe it took to the fifth fifth season of cult movies to get to Pink Flamingos. That just that just tells you how many great movies are in cult movies. Um all right. So, pairing recommendations, let's start with Rachel. Let's hear your first one.
2: My first one which i'm not going to talk a whole lot i'm not really prepared to talk a whole lot about mine they're more just going to be like i'm laying them out sure but uh, my first one is peter jackson's meet the feebles Ooh. From 1989 he wouldn't
0: dare oh christ he's not oh yes he is boss
2: Think, you might you enjoy the act of uh-huh. Because you <laughs> a puppet musical an obscene puppet musical by the man who would go on to do all the Hobbit movies which I've not seen I actually thought that I saw either a Hobbit movie or a Harry Potter movie at the drive-in because I would go see everything at the drive-in and I said it was like four hours of someone climbing up a blue mountain and no one recognizes what that is at all (laughs) But but Meet the Feebles when I saw it it was probably like 1994 maybe and it was and I mean, again, transgressive cinema, all kinds of outsider stuff. I I had watched every, I've been watching everything for years and shown, I was unprepared for that movie. I was just like, what is happening here? Like it was, it was surprising that me as a 21 year old was getting like uh pearl clutching over something like this New Zealand <laughs> puppet musical that, you know, has like, Yes, pornography gets made in it. I mean, it's just so, it's really something. And so, also, one of the reasons I chose it is because I'm thinking, well, look at the director. Let's talk about these early transgressive works of directors who went on to become mainstream. And so, I think that certainly qualifies. Heather, are you a fan of Meet the Feebles?
1: I'm a huge fan uh, of Meet the Feebles. In fact, I was. Uh... I was taken off. I, I had a group of friends who we used to do movie back in, you know, back the early twenties. Every weekend we do double bills, and they the last time they let me pick one, I picked I paired Meet the Feebles with Desperate Living. Ironically enough, and they would not let me pick movies anymore after that. They were scandalized. I was personally delighted, and I still stand by that. Now Meet the Feebles is amazing. It's got a musical number called Sodomy, and it's a pop-it. What more do you want?
0: Now, I, I'm a fan of of Peter Jackson.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember
0: seeing Dead Alive at a midnight showing, uh, one of the greatest theater experiences I've ever had. I watched Meet the Feebles for the first time a couple years ago, and it's it's just not for me. <laughs> 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 and I talked I talk to some people who were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did not like that. And then I talked to other people who were like, dude, it's a brilliant movie, and I'm like it you know it probably is it's just not for me. I did i you know, I didn't get it, so and it sort of scared me and and like you, I haven't seen any <laughs> of the hobbits or the the Lord of the Rings movies um and it kind of scared me from seeing his other early one. is it his first one or or his second one? Oh uh, bad taste. Bad Taste. Yes. Bad Taste
1: is the first one. Uh, Bad okay. Taste is a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a little more rough because you can tell it's his first film. Sure. But um I think it's a lot of fun and Peter Jackson's in it. You get to see him act. Oh, cool. nice. And it's got all kinds of just bizarro gore in it and it's just um it's like a to me it's kind of like a just like a, a fun underground comic book kind of alfrenes, okay. right. you know. Um but uh but yeah, Dead Alive's great too. That's a I'm my favorite the... priest <laughs> awesome.
0: uh i'm here to or what is it i, I kick oh, I ass, kick for, ass tr- for the tr- lord
1: tr- <laughs> i love that dude i would actually not be a heathen if that guy was yeah but um, well, i'd still be a heathen i don't know who i'm trying to get,
0: <laughs> all right uh so that's me the feebles heather let's hear your first one
1: uh my first one um I and this is this film is actually also on Aust- well, not New Zealand, but close to the Isle of New Zealand from Australia is a 1987 film called Pandemonium. After years of studying strange Aboriginal tales, prospectors' stories, and fantail rappers,
2: I had become highly attuned to parapsychic disturbances. Yes, I only had to take one look at the girl's teeth to realize that something about her wasn't quite
1: right yes here were the beginnings of a cosmic whirlpool and i was about to be sucked in uh by a really really cool director who i don't think a lot of people know enough about they certainly don't know enough about this movie named hayden keenan pandemonium is delirious surrealism at its glorious pinnacle um it stars david argue people probably know best for um he was one of the bad guys in bmx bandits but david argue is like buster keaton on bath salts he is delightful <laughs> and this film is delightful it's it revolves around um this topless dingo woman who's basically this girl who was abandoned as a child raised by dingoes ends up being the messiah um and her journey uh basically gets absconded with by incestuous lesbian Nazi twins. Um, there's a mad doctor, there's vampires, um Greg Ham for Minute Work, their great saxophonist plays a magician. Oh nice. Um it's it is It's got everything. I, I, I love films where a filmmaker is just like, we're just going to have the most insane fun and take, just roll the dice. I mean, it's, I mean, it's so much fun. It's got a random musical number. Um, I love this movie. It is. I mean, if you love Dada, if you love surrealism, if you love, I mean, it's beautiful. Like the sets are great. The lighting's gorgeous. David argue should be a household name um, that guy is complete fire in everything he's in um he's he's better known in Australia but um there's Australia I mean the more I'm, I'm getting into that cinema there's so much so Absolutely. many gems like in Australia just in the 80s even yes yeah. and the mute the music uh, so yeah 1987's pandemonium it is a cult classic waiting just waiting there to be discovered and to be championed.
0: Did that get some sort of like vinegar syndrome or severin release? No. No. Oh, okay.
1: Vinegar syndrome did do a beautiful job with Alfred Soul's 1982 film Pandemonium, which oh, okay. I which I'm a fan of too and I love Alfred Soul. It still messes with me that he went from Alice Sweet Alice, which is a brilliant and dark brilliant dark horror movie yeah, yes was... oh i love that you got the vhs arrow did did yeah. a beautiful blu-ray of that too but yeah VHS, i have man. that yeah that's so good um but no they did vinegar snow in 1982s okay. but that and i love that film that's movie. like a
2: cheerleader movie isn't
1: it yeah it's the a great cast yeah but 1987's pandemonium is a little harder to find if you can um you can get it directly from hayden and his okay. um, smart street films it's a little pricier because it's import but they're all region Sweet. the um there's a copy floating around on archive.org but it's That's what it's i was a, gonna say it's a transfer oh. um and his use of color like you know if you can't support support hayden keenan he's still with us nice um, and the film's amazing cool <laughs>
0: Um, Okay, so for my first one, this is one that I just, it's been on my watch list for a long time, and uh, I don't know why I put it, you know, I I make little lists of potential pairing ideas with the movies we talk about, and I don't know why this ended up on there, but it worked out perfectly, and I'm so glad I finally watched it. It's uh, from 2010. All about evil. So you wish to cancel this interview?
1: Not uh, cancel. Just I, uh, I'd like to reschedule. I just, <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm just not feeling well at all today, and I don't think I do you any justice. I am an
2: extremely busy woman.
1: I realize that, and that's why um, I just, I just really hope we'll be able to do the interview another time. I'm just really sorry if I've wasted any of your time. So.
0: You're
1: just gonna
0: leave. Really, I'm not trying to be rude, okay? I just, I don't feel well. I have to go. No. No, please. Oh, that is very unprofessional. No,
1: please, let me just let me go. Oh. No, no, please. Oh,
0: we're not gonna hurt you, my dear. Oh, I was just going to unlock the door. Stop that bitch! She has her cell phone. Did you take our cell phone? No, I, I, I swear I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Liar. Have you ever acted before? Because you're not very good.
2: Oh no!
0: From writer-director Joshua Granell or as most of us know him, Peaches Christ.
1: Oh, I love oh, Peaches. Oh. Yes.
0: So uh, Peaches is like just uh, why she doesn't have her own, uh, you know, kind of horror show, you know, like Elvira or Joe Bob is beyond me because, you know, I mean, that's that's her road show. Right. He takes it on the road and they do that with shorts and everything. Anyways. So he directed wrote and directed this movie uh, called All About Evil It stars, the great Natasha Leone and uh, Thomas Deckers in there uh cassandra peterson's in direct, in there speaking of elvira uh noah sagan is in there as this what like i thought it was him but then i was like there's no way he would play a character like this uh no he's like one of ryan johnson's uh, main guys but so fucking great in this and also mink stole is in this movie oh yeah so i didn't know when i when i pushed play I didn't know Joshua Grinnell was Peaches Christ. And of course, Peaches shows up in the movie. Uh, I didn't know Mink Stoll was in this movie. And I was like, this is perfect. Like this is a already a perfect pairing. So Natasha Lyonne plays this uh, librarian who also runs a theater in San Francisco uh, that shows midnight horror movies. And um, it, it, she ends up let's see it was owned by her father and her stepmom. Dad dies and so the theater's left to her but stepmom still comes around. Natasha Leone kills her, but then like the the closed uh, circuit like security tape ends up playing on the theater screen and so everyone's like, oh, this is a great horror short. And so she kind of becomes obsessed with that and so she goes around killing people filming it, like bad people, killing bad people, filming it, and then playing it in the movie theater before the midnight movies. Um And everyone thinks that, you know, they're just pretend movies. Um And so... Okay, snuff films. Right, they're snuff films, exactly. So as the movie goes along, like, she becomes more and more obsessed and loses her mind. And uh talk about over-the-top. And it's not that... It's not the over-the-top of today where it's like for god's sakes you're just they're trying so hard. Um this is like I'm telling you this is John Waters could have directed this movie. Um so it's it's super fun, it's really fucking funny. Uh great great gore in this movie. Uh you know tons of real blood. We're not talking digitized blood. We're talking you know blood packs where she'll stab the neck and you get a nice spurt uh it's really good it's streaming on shutter right now uh and i'm sure you can rent it elsewhere but i highly recommend all about evil
2: awesome
1: yeah right on i didn't yeah i love peaches christ and uh this does not surprise me because i just watched she did a amoeba records what's in my bag a few several years ago and no shock all of her picks were amazing like she's so so yeah i was oh okay i'm gonna be seeking that out thank you it's good all right rachel back to you
2: okay the second one is weird i actually kind of have two but the first one that came to mind i think i actually kind of hate it and i don't (laughs) know why i was but it's a harmony korean trash humpers (laughs) came to mind but it you know which is kind of like a pseudo found footage and it's also like this fake elderly community but I think what I like about that is that they have like the bad grandpa masks on all of them Mm -hmm. kind of have that level of which I was bad grandpa fan I'm a jackass fan I like that oh I I love jackass jackass. you know it's like it's nearly and, and he kind of did it in the middle of this stuff too. So again, this would be another director that would go on to do some larger things, except for I think that Trash Humpers is like 2009 or something. So it is kind of uh, going back to something more transgressive at a, in, between, in the middle of what we would know of as his career. But True. again, I think I kind of hate that movie. So I don't know why it came to mind. But then the other thing, since I feel like this is, I always want to have a punk movie. And I can't help myself is great rock and roll swindle
1: at last the film you thought you'd never have to see the great rock and roll swindle the staggering story of the punk group that wrung the neck of rock and roll kamikaze gang of cat burglars and child prostitutes, they peddled bondage whips and chains to the children of Britain. Sex Pistols, they held the record business to ransom and swindled a million pounds in the process. a safety pin through her majesty's nose and turned the national press into an occupied
2: zone oh my god Yeah, uh, because it is i like that it's just malcolm mclaren's story and it caused so much controversy and it really pissed off uh john Lydon, and and it's julian temple who of course went on to do so many music videos and music films and bigger films and um so, you know, that's kind of, I like that the Sex Pistols were kind of his beginning of getting into directing, too. Um, oh. So, yeah, I like The Great Rock. Most a lot of people don't.
1: Oh, I love it. No, that soundtrack. And it's such a fascinating document. And the fact that it was almost like a Russ Meyer. Because yes. me, it was going to be called Who Killed B. And they're going to have Russ do it. And obviously, oh my God. Russ working with the pistol did not was no like did not work and plus Russ is so American and I I'm not saying that as you know a bad thing I love Russ Meyer but he is baseball and apple pie him working with British punks is it it didn't work it doesn't work and it didn't work but yeah no I love great rock and roll swindle and there's some like I actually think like there's some really great tunes that people don't mention from that and like I even love Sid's cover of like a come on everybody which yeah. I believe was that Gene Vincent originally, Eddie Cochran. I like that's one of those. Guys. But, but yeah, great stuff. Yeah, awesome pick. I would go to that double bill.
0: <laughs> Heather, Thanks. what what was? I'm trying to look. I think it was the first time it was we talked about Rocky Horror, mm-hmm. and there was a music doc that you recommended.
1: Both in the Fury. What? Was it the Filth and the Fury? Was it the Pistols documentary? No. Oh, okay, but that's a great documentary. No, and Julie like, Tipple did that. <laughs> okay, yeah. no,
0: no, it was it was a band that was into witch, like uh, devil, either witchcraft or devil work. Like they did spells and shit.
1: Oh, oh, Killing Joke. Kill? Yes. What was the yes. name of that? Um, the Great. Oh God, and I have it. Oh wait, it's in the living room because I've been reorganizing the Blu-rays because <laughs> I've everything's fit and best. Um, the that's Death the not... Resurrection show
0: yes 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 yeah this yes, yes,
1: yes. yeah, um, is a great documentary
0: yeah like, i I, yeah. I did i watched that i think i mean at some point after we had talked about it and whoo was a good one right so, uh, oh. i'm into so i'm saying if either of you recommend music documentaries i'm gonna watch them okay awesome. so all right. that's well, all this I'm is
2: saying. a mockumentary but
0: well i'm still i, I also love the pistols, so i'm into it
1: oh yeah you should see it
0: um okay A little bit of sidetrack there. Heather, number two from you.
1: Uh, Well, I'm going with, speaking of something in a musical vein, um, but definitely not a documentary. But it is at Johnny Legend's uh, directorial debut, uh, Teenage Cruisers, a.k.a. Young, Hot, Nasty Teenage Cruisers. And now, K-R-U-Z, The Sound of Cruise presents... The king of cruisers.
2: That's right, the self-made man, the man-made legend, Mister Mambo Remus.
0: Hello, cruisers, losers, lowriders and linkhorns. Hello, hambones, hopheads, drunks, freaks, punks, geeks, glue snippers and gruntheads, zit pickers and shit kickers. I'm Mambo Remus, and I'll be with you all afternoon, right through the cruise countdown and on into the night, bopping with you on the boulevard. So let's get cooking.
1: Uh, this this film, it's and people are gonna immediately be, oh, it's porn. It's not a porno. It does have sexually explicit footage, but it's basically like they insert like a few old stag loops, and the wraparound segments is complete. Again, I love surrealist humor. I love weird humor. The rockabilly music. If you love rockabilly music, and he got legit players, like Johnny Legend of the rockabilly scene is a affected musician figure. Billy Zoom, who would go on to be in the legend band X, is on that because Billy Zoom started as a rockabilly guy. Mm. Um, It's, I mean, it's the humor is so irreverent. Uh, Johnny Legends in it himself, and he's great. I mean, there's a scene where a lady looks like she's being like she's in a car looking ecstatic, and like you know, a puppet comes up like an evil ventriloquist doll, and it has a switchblade. I mean, there's stuff, there's so many just great little gag moments in that. Um, I Teenage Cruisers is a film that needs to be it's its way out of print. It's another one that needs to be talked about more, but it's fun as hell and the soundtrack is great and the fact that it's, you know, got that sort of, like, weird humor and obviously it's not going to be for everyone. I mean,
2: Pink Flamingos.
1: Well, John Holmes too, isn't it? Yeah, John well, Holmes is in and it's like a young John Holmes too. Yeah, and, he's in,
0: in that beginning, like, stag loop where it's like they just yeah. kind of crib this from a like the cutting room floor of some other movie
1: yeah it's like it's totally from stag but you got like other adult legends like serena's in it and she's like so cute man, with her little red hair again redheads we rule It just is what it is and it's <laughs> like bill margold but like johnny legend did a lot of the in the skin adds to the weirdness like he did a lot of the adr like he had to dub over like you don't really hear serena's voice at oh, all yeah and yeah, like that spoke. was him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, Johnny," and it's like, "Ah, what's going on?" Yeah,
0: it, it's that scene where her and her friend are like, they're the they're leaning against, they yeah, against, yeah, against the bathroom door. And it's like, oh my god! It's like it's Johnny Legend doing all the voices. there
1: and, Oh my, I love Johnny Johnny Legend. There's a nut a nut house nympho named Babsy Bodine what a great name (laughs) i know and and he does this whole great call through as a dj where it's like can you hear me babsy she's like you know i know there's a dirty old man named B who's real angry and he's like can you hear me rudy and he's like trapped dead like oh rudy's great uh so yeah that's my pick it's teenage cruisers
0: and you can go back uh like i don't know a year ago and listen to me and Heather talk about teenage cruisers on Projection Booth.
1: Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Not yeah. to brag, but I think we rocked it, Anthony. Anyway.
0: That was fun. Yeah, that was, that that was, was so much fun. My, my 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 first time on Projection Booth, and you know, <gasps>
1: are you serious? Oh, I forgot Sign me up for
0: Porno Month. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what an what an on, an entrance.
0: Yeah, it's a real. Projection
1: Booth. Yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah, God, it, it that's a God, such a funny ass movie um okay finally for me um I was saving this I didn't know if anyone was gonna pick this I'm also going documentary or mm-hmm. I'm going documentary uh same year as pink Flamingos it lost the Oscar to Marjo the documentary oh. Marjo and oh, this gosh. is uh Lawrence Merrick and Rod Robert Hendrickson's Manson.
2: Charlie has all the fear. Everybody has given their fear to Charlie. You have to make love with it. You have to know it. Uh, you have to know every part of it. And to know you know it is to know it. So that you could pick it up any second and shoot. Everybody is afraid of death. And that's what's holding things up. Nobody's content right now with the world they've created. Yet their minds are all locked by fear of death. Aren't you worried about the police? If you want it, here it is. Come and get it. (laughs) (laughs) That's better (laughs) hurry. Because it won't be here long, you motherfuckers. So,
0: obviously, uh, John Waters and the Dreamlanders obsessed with Manson and the family. Um, this have either of you seen this documentary?
1: I have not. Okay, I so I
0: it's on YouTube, um, which is the only way that I could find it. Um, <clears throat> and it's like, uh, Merrick and Hendrickson go into this is like pre trial for the family members. I think Bobby Beausoleil is already in jail, uh, Charlie's already in jail, of course. But Squeaky Frome is out. It's... um uh, Oh, shit. Who else? It's... Oh, I got their names here. Uh, Squeaky Frome, Mary Brunner, Sandra Good. Like, so these, these filmmakers go and talk to these ladies and talk about a movie that actually feels dangerous. Like, they're with their stockpiled weapons, and they're talking about how they're going to break Charlie out of jail and they're going to kill all these people. And you're like... Uh, I would be shitting my pants if I were these filmmakers. Um, And so, but they, they spent a lot of time with the guy that prosecuted Manson, Vincent, uh, uh, Bugliosi. Um, and then Paul Watkins does the music. Paul Watkins was one of the family members. So they talked to him a lot. Uh, they have a lot of archival interviews with Charlie. They have archival interviews with Bobby Beausoleil. Um, but, It is, you know, there's lots of, I think there's a lot of documentaries about Charlie Manson. This is like the, this is the one you should see. It's the most uh, inside. It's the most revealing. It's the most dangerous. Highly recommend it. It's really, really great. Um, And I thought, you know, talk about the filthiest people in the world on, you know, fictitiously compared to the filthiest people in the world in real
1: life.
2: Oh well, well, and wanted, they fired the other, and John Waters went to the
1: trials. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have that free text Watson graffiti that we see too. And Pink oh flamingos. yeah. Uh. Oh uh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'll have to. I'll have so, to see that. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: it's good. It's really really good. It's you know, it's only like eighty minutes long. So. Uh. All right. That's all we got. Pink flamingos. It's an art film. It's a brilliant film. Um, and uh. That's it. Heather, where can people find you online?
2: Well,
1: you can find me over at my website, mondoheather.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and Patreon. under going to shock you, at mondoheather.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good commercial. Uh, Rachel, <laughs> where are you online?
2: I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook under just my name, Rachel McPadden. And then and I'm on Instagram. The account is finally public. But it's uh, R-A-C-H, I think it's two underscores because I don't know why McP, Rach McP, two underscores. Um, but that should be public.
0: Uh, you can find this show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. You can find me, Anthony King, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at A-K-Donnelly. That's A-K-D-O-N-E-L-L-Y. And uh, head on over to fthismovie.com every Friday. Check out my column notes on film. And uh, if you feel inclined, head on over to patreon.com backslash cultmoviespodcast. And uh, where Kristen and I are doing bi-weekly bonus episodes. Come hang out with us. Um, Ladies, as always, this was the most fun. And I always learn so much when I'm with the smartest people in the room.
2: Oh, my goodness the smartest filthiest people in the room. filthiest people thank you so much for having us both yes thank you Bye.
1: anthony
2: thank you rachel for being fantastic